Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Hello there, and welcome once again to Canadians and Old Time Radio. I'm Devin Wilkins, founder and president of COTRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance, and I invite you to check out our website at www.cotra.ca. I think you'll enjoy the snippets of information and clips that are there. Do you have your dancing shoes on? Because from our Made in Canada file, we have an episode of Jam Session from 
Angus, the vocal assignment on this next one is the title tuner from the production, True Confession. From Cole Porter's Rosalie, Don Baker sings the title tune. Rosalie, my darling, Rosalie, my dream, since one night when stars began to go. I'm old, old, so much in love, Rosalie, have mercy, Rosalie, don't be blind, won't you make my life thrilling, tell me you're willing to be mine, Rosalie, mine.
you're willing to be mine, Rosalie, mine. The Santa swings an oldie, if I could be with you. microphone to revive another old one until the real thing comes along. Thank you. 
kiss to guide you while I'm lost beside you. And one more stop for happiness. Farewell, my love. A smile will greet tomorrow. And so I'll say till dawn of day. Farewell, my love. Dancing on at the Palomar, too. You can't stop me from dreaming. presents Ethel Lang singing More Than You Know.
two choruses of My Blue Heaven. And now for a complete change of pace from our Canadians Abroad file, we have an episode of This Is Your FBI from April 4th, 1952, featuring Quebec-born actor Stacey Harris. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. <laughs> 
This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. What is it that makes Americans different from many people of other nations? Here at the Equitable Society, we like to think that it's our heritage of freedom, that freedom has made us self-reliant and independent. We look out for ourselves and take care of our own. That's why more than five million of us Americans are members of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Of our own free will, we have joined together into the Equitable Society to provide for the security of our families and our own peace of mind. In about 13 minutes, we have something to tell you about a man who knows more about that kind of security than anyone in your community. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, extortion. Its title, The Hollywood Shakedown. Since the passage by Congress of the Federal Extortion Statute in 1932, the number of such crimes has been drastically reduced. However, it is probably safe to say that some form of extortion is practiced almost daily in some parts of the country. This evening's program is brought to you not to acquaint you with the modus operandi of the typical felon who commits this type of crime, for there is no average extortion case. The circumstances in each instance are different. However, this case history is dramatized in the hope of reaching people who are being victimized by extortioners and who, through fear, are now keeping it a secret. If this description fits you, protect yourself. Protect everyone except the criminal by instantly notifying the nearest field office of your FBI. Their telephone number is on page one of your local directory. Tonight's FBI file opens in the fan mail department of a motion picture studio. Oh, a letter from my hometown. Oh, you mean somebody was left after you moved? Yeah, it's from Alice Green. Know her? Huh? Went to school together. What'd she want? Um, picture Lionel Butler. Well, let's dig a good one. Okay. Hey, maybe I ought to put a little note to Alice. She'd get a kick out of it. I wonder what she's Nancy, doing. Nancy, listen. Dear Ruth Elmore, I have received certain information from Bertha Kingman. You know that information I mean, and you also know what would happen if it was made public. I am willing to sell all my material for $10,000. If you agree to pay, put an ad in the papers. Do not go to the police with this. If you do, I will kill you. Where'd you get the... Off the pile. Here's the envelope. You think it's a crank? I don't know. Where are you taking it? To the super. This is one fan letter Ruth Elmore better answer. Mr. Noble, the man from the FBI is here. Oh, let him come in. This way, please. Thank you, miss. Have a chair. Thank you. Mr. Noble, I'm Agent Taylor. 
Oh, we, we spoke on the phone. That's right, sir. You have the note here? Yes. Who's handled it? Quite a few people. Girl in the fan mail room, her supervisor, my secretary, Miss Elmore herself. May I see it, please? Of course. Thank you. Studio will give you every cooperation. Oh, um, is Miss Elmore making a picture now? Yes, she's playing Rosalind in As You Like It. Uh Mr. Taylor, did you ask that because you think this is a publicity stunt? No, sir. Good. I assure you it isn't. Miss Elmore doesn't want or need that kind of publicity. Well, as long as we're on that subject, Mr. Noble, I have a request. We'd like to avoid any publicity on this until the investigation is completed. I can promise that. Fine. Oh, and uh, would it be possible for me to see Miss Elmore? Of course. I'll have a boy take you over. All right, thank you, sir. Her trailer is right inside Stage 7. Call if there's anything else you want. The entire studio is at your disposal. Yes, that's right. Mr. Noble called and said you were coming. Please sit down. Thanks very much. You've come to talk about the note? That's right, Miss Elmore. I can't tell you how glad I am it's come out into the open. This extortion business has been bothering me for five years. You mean you've been paying someone for five years? No, but I did pay the first installment that long ago. To whom? Bertha Kingman, the woman mentioned in the note. Uh Who is she? A woman who used to be my secretary... I know I should have gone to the police five years ago, but for once in my life, I let somebody change my mind. And who was that? The man I was married to at the time. He convinced me the publicity would ruin my career. Uh, where is he now? In Europe, sunning himself on the Riviera with his fifth bride. Uh, that eliminates him. Now, who else knew about it? No one. How much did you pay, Mrs. Kingman? Five hundred dollars. Uh-huh. And believe this or not, Mr. Taylor... Everything she threatened to expose was a complete and utter lie. When did you last hear from Mrs. Kingman? Five years ago. By letter? Yes. Would you uh, know where she lives? I have no idea. I see. Well, would you have a picture of her? The publicity department has a few. Oh, that's fine. Is there anything else I can do? Yes, Miss Elmore. We'd like you to insert that ad. All right. You see, we may get a lead when you receive instructions for paying. I'll have my secretary call the papers this afternoon. Good. And we'll start an immediate search for Mrs. Kingman. The intricate process by which the Federal Bureau of Investigation looks for a person was put into action. A copy of Bertha Kingman's marriage license was obtained. The two witnesses were questioned, but they had lost track of the subject many years ago. Finally, a lead was secured. Her address five years ago was a modest hotel. Arriving there, Agent Taylor learned Mrs. Kingman had checked out three years ago. From the hotel, she was traced to a small apartment building. And finally, to a cheap theatrical boarding house on a Hollywood side street. Good morning. Are you the landlady? You can save your breath. We got no vacancies. I don't need another vacuum cleaner, and I never subscribe to magazines. Ma'am, I'm a special agent of the FBI. Oh. Here are my credentials. Oh, come in, come in. Thank you. Sorry, but it's only 9.30, and I've been swinging this door so much, I feel like a hinge. And that only sounds like an earthquake. That's the Hungarian hussar rehearsing his wrestling match for tomorrow night. Quiet little spot we got here. Yes, yes, it is. Uh... Tell me, ma'am, do you have a tenant named Bertha Kingman? 
And what kind of an act does she do? Well, she's not in the theatrical profession, but I understand that she once lived here. Well, then I ought to know her. Well, do you keep a register? Well, I used to till a guy checked in with a talking goat. <laughs> well, uh, I have a picture of her that I'd like you to take a look at, if you will. Okay. Do you recognize her? Uh, wait a minute now. She looks familiar. Oh, Bertha Kingman. Oh, yeah, now I remember. She lived here about a month. Would you know where I can find her? I'd like to ask her some questions. Well, that'll be pretty tough. She's dead. Leo, I checked at that boarding house. Mrs. Kingman's dead. Huh? Yeah, I saw the death certificate at the Hall of Records myself. She died two years ago. Another note came today. Oh, where? It was delivered to the studio by messenger. From the description of the boy's uniform, it sounds like the central messenger service. Oh. They're checking their delivery slips. What'd the note say? Get the money ready. No uh, payoff instruction? Oh, not yet, but the threat was repeated. Well, uh, excuse me, sir. Sure. Agent Sumner. That's right. You did. Uh, just a minute. Pencil? Yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. All right, go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what street was that? Yeah, I got it. Uh-huh. Well, fine. Thanks very much. Yes, I'll wait here for him. Jim Central Messenger did deliver that note. The boy picked it up from the bartender at this saloon. When? Around three this afternoon. The messenger's on his way up here now. I'll try to get a description from him. All right. I'll see what I can pick up at this bar. I'm a special agent of the FBI. Here are my credentials. Okay. Tell me, were you on duty uh, about three this afternoon? <laughs> I worked 12 to 8 this week. Well, did you give an envelope to a messenger, an envelope addressed to a Ruth Elmore? Uh-huh. What was in it? I don't know. Customer gave it to me with a couple of bucks. Told me to pay the kid who picked it up. What's the customer's name? You've got me. Does he come in often? As far as I know, today was the first I ever seen him. What's he look like? Hey, look, I don't remember every guy who buys a couple of beers. All I can tell you is he sat over in that corner. Alone? At first, I must have gotten talking to the others. Uh, I remember he bought him a drink. Well, do you know the people he was talking to? Well, yeah, but I don't want to get them into a jackpot. They they come in all the time. Uh, and... Look, I, I just want to ask him a few questions. Maybe they can remember what this person looked like, that's all. I guess that's okay. He was talking to a couple of seamen named Joe Logan and Artie Jackson and a girl named Sally Powell. Mm. Where can I reach them? Joe Logan lives in that apartment house across the street. Artie Jackson shacks up in the next block. Uh, 7.37, I think. And the girl? I don't know. She hit town a couple of weeks ago and started hanging around here. Uh, I, I don't know where she's staying. Well, could you have her call me? Call you myself the next time she comes in. Did you get anything from the messenger? No, Jim. He didn't talk to anybody but the bartender. How'd you make up? Well, the subject stayed at the bar a while. Struck up a conversation with uh, these three people. Mm-hmm. I went to see the two seamen. They've already shipped out. No? For where? Well, the destination is classified, but their ship left an hour ago. And no address on the girl? Oh, the bartender will call if she comes in there again. Mm-hmm. 
Jim, you think there's any possibility Mrs. Kingman passed her information on to her relative before she died? Miss mm-hmm. Elmore doesn't remember the old woman ever mentioning any family wife. I think I'll check and see who paid for her funeral. Without the ever. No, no, Orlando. Men are April when they woo, December when they wed. Maids are maids. I'm sorry. I can't remember the speech. May we please have a few minutes? Ten minutes, everybody. Ruth. Ruth, take as much time as you want. I'll be all right. Of course you will. You should have seen the rushes this morning. Those boom shots through the trees were wonderful. Oh, Mr. Noble? Oh, hello, Mr. Mr. Taylor. Could I speak with both of you? Can it wait, please? Miss Elmore isn't feeling very well. Have you seen the papers? I haven't even stopped today for a sandwich. Well, the extortion story is all over the front page. Front page? In the papers? That can't be. I haven't told anybody about this. Have you, Miss Elmore? No. Ruth, do you mind if Mr. Taylor sees you back to the trailer? Not at all. I'm going over to publicity and find out about this. Let's go this way. Oh, I, I saw your trailer over there. I know. I have something to tell you. I, I don't want my maid or anyone else to hear it. Oh. I'm afraid to trust anyone now. Now, what happened? I got a call from the extortioner. When? A little while ago. He doesn't want the money anymore. Why not? Because I went to the police. He said he's going to kill me. In just a minute, we'll return to tonight's dramatic case from the official files of your FBI. And now back to the FBI file, The Hollywood Shakedown. backgrounds of extortioners show as wide a variety as those of their victims. One is a youth with criminal ambitions. Another is a hardened criminal. A third is a psychopathic killer. No two are alike. That is why your FBI never takes chances in an extortion case. It treats each one as if the threat is real, as if the extortioner will carry out his menacing promise. It advises you to adopt the same attitude. You may be fortunate enough never to receive an extortion letter. But if you do, protect yourself by remembering one thing. It may be from a harmless crank. It may be from a criminal intent on money or murder. Don't take any chances. Call your FBI. Tonight's file continues at the local FBI field office the following day. Jim, how's Miss Elmore? Well, she seems to have recovered completely from last night's phone call. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's safe for her to be working. Uh, the studio's arranged for three shifts of armed guards to protect her around the clock. Maybe it'd be a good idea to ask Mr. Noble not to allow visitors on her set, huh? Well, that's a pretty tough stage to keep closed, Leo. I've got a couple hundred extras on, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Agent Taylor. Oh, yes. You have them. Fine. Yeah, right away. Thanks very much. 
Leo, that was the bartender at that saloon. You get the girl's address? She's in there now. I'll see you later. Miss Powell? That's right. I'm Agent Taylor of the FBI. Hi. Come on, sit down. Thanks very much. I hear you want to ask me some questions. That's right. A man you spoke to day before yesterday, I don't know his name, but he talked to you here in the bar. Well, that's like asking me about which salted peanut I ate. I get to talk to lots of guys. Well, you were over there in that corner with this man and two seamen. Oh, well, that still don't tell me which one you mean. Well, the seamen's names are Artie Jackson and Joe Logan. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Well, do you recall the other man? Uh-huh. He stayed after the sailors left. Can you describe him? Uh-uh. Remember his name? Well, he told me, but I forgot. If I don't like somebody, their name don't register. Well, if you didn't like this man, why'd you sit with him? Well, it's better than drinking alone, paying for your drink. What didn't you like about him? He kept telling me what a big shot he was. <laughs> Real big shots don't keep reminding you. They don't have to. Now, how'd he try to impress you? Oh, he's the kind of guy who knocks winners. He just can't stand anybody else doing good. Well, do you recall specifically what it was he complained about? Everything, the way the studios are run, who should have gotten the Oscars, what's wrong with color pictures. You name it, he knocked it. Is he in show business? According to him. Say what he did? No, but he talked like he wrote, directed, produced, and acted in every picture, and then stood in the lobby and took tickets. <laughs> he probably hustles hamburgers at a drive-in. Hi, Sally. Hi, honey. Uh, can you remember anything else he said? Huh? Anything else he said about pictures? Oh, Let's see. Yeah, he even put the blast on the way Lionel Butler fenced in his last picture. Huh? Held the sword wrong. Knees were bent too much. Didn't have his feet spread wide enough. His elbows were stuck out. Everything with this guy was a federal case. Well, did he actually say all those things about fencing? Sure, right with you, honey. Okay. Uh, Miss Powell, hmm? you mentioned before this man complained about the Oscar winners. Yeah, that's right. Well, did he indicate that any of the candidates was a friend of his? No, I can see why he's sore about the Oscars, though. You must figure he should have gotten one. Oh, for what? The biggest romance of the year. The one he has with himself. Leo, I just interviewed that girl. Get anything? No description, but she told me a few things that might come in handy. Oh, like what? Well, from her report of his conversation, it sounds like he's in the motion picture business. As what? Well, he could be anything from assistant messenger boy on up. Well, that includes a lot of people. Yeah, no, I'll get it. Agent Taylor. Oh, yes, Mr. Noble. When? I don't know. Yeah, I see. Oh, who touched it? Fine. Yeah, right away. Leo, another note was just delivered to Miss Elmore. This one was left in her trailer while her maid was out. Anybody see who left it? No, but Miss Elmore saw to it that no one except herself touched it. Maybe we can get some prints. Where's the note now? Well, they're holding it at the studio. We'll pick it up and send it on to the lab. got a report from the lab. What's it say? They found some clear latent prints on the envelope of the last note we sent him. Well, how about the note itself? No prints, but Miss Elmore's. And a typewriting? Done on the same machine. Not much to work on, Jim. 
Leo, you know, extortionists don't like to carry around a note any longer than they have to. Yeah, so? So this last one was delivered right to Miss Elmore's trailer, yet no one remembers a stranger coming by. Mm-hmm. Plus which we have a fair suspicion that the criminal's connected in some way with the motion picture business. Do you think it's someone at her own studio? Could be. We can check the typewriters out there. Let's do that. We'll also try to get as many fingerprints as we can. Fingerprinting a group of people takes time. So does rounding up sheets of paper all bearing the same message. Fingerprint cards and typewriting samples were gathered and sent to the laboratory, where trained technicians examined each one and then re-examined them before making a report. Come in, Mr. Taylor. Thank you, Mr. Noble. Have you found the extortioner? Not yet, sir, but we're making progress. We've located the typewriter. Where? Here at the studio, sir, on stage nine. Wait, uh, I'll look at the production schedule. All right. Stage nine... Ah, uh, here it is. Uh, that's the newspaper office set. Mm. Who would have access to that typewriter, sir? A lot of people, I'm afraid. Everyone working on the picture, and actually anyone at the studio could buy the set when it wasn't being used. Or would there be any chance? Oh, you're looking for me, Leo? Yeah, Jim. We matched those fingerprints on the extortion envelope. They belong to a studio messenger. I just spoke to him. He says he got that note to deliver. From whom? A man wearing a leather vest, black tights, a pointed suede Robin Hood's hat, and a heavy beard. Well, that's the way the extras on Miss Elmore's picture are dressed. Well, the messenger also said the man drew this diagram for him on the inside of this book of matches. What was that for? The messenger just went to work here and didn't know where Miss Elmore's trailer was. Hmm. Well, Leo, these matches uh, belong to the messenger? No, to the extra. Hmm. Mr. Noble, can you come over to the stage with us? Of course. You think you can pick the extortioner out of 500 extras? No, sir. But there's a good chance he'll pick himself out for us. If I were a woman, I would kiss as many of you as had beards that please me, complexions that like me, and breath that I defied not. And I am sure, as as many have good beards and good faces or sweet breath, will for my kind offer when I make curtsy, bid me farewell. All right, print that one. Uh, Mr. Taylor, we can try that now. Fine, Mr. Noble. Mr. Taylor, have you found him yet? Oh, no, Miss Elmore, but we may in a minute. Attention extras. Attention all extras. Please gather on the other side of the moat. Mr. Noble doing that for well, We have evidence uh, the extortioner is an extra. On this picture? That's right. Which one? Well, that's the part we don't know yet. Uh, see the man crossing the bridge over the moat? The one in the blue suit? Yes. Well, that's Agent Sumner of our office. Uh, Mr. Taylor, shall I go ahead? Yes, Mr. Noble, if you will. Extras, please face this way. We have an additional scene to shoot. And we need a man who knows how to fence. Will all those who do, please raise your hands. Mr. Taylor, what's this all about? See the extra that Agent Sumner's heading toward? The one with his left hand raised? Yes. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the man we want. few minutes after Agents Taylor and Sumner began questioning the extra, he made a full confession and explained that he had known Miss Elmore's former secretary and had heard about the original extortion from the old lady before she died. Agents Taylor and Sumner 
asked Mr. Noble to make the announcements because of two things. The girl at the saloon had mentioned the extortioner's criticism of the fencing form exhibited by an actor whose picture was on the saloon wall. Because the criticism was technical, it seemed probable that the extortioner knew how to fence. Then Agent Taylor noticed that in the book of matches given to the messenger by the extra, all matches had been torn from the left side, indicating that the user was left-handed. When only one extra raised his left hand in answer to Mr. Noble's announcement, he did what Agent Taylor predicted. He picked himself out of the crowd and led to his own arrest. He was subsequently brought to trial, convicted and sentenced to a term in federal prison. Now, there's just one thing I'd like to have you keep in mind about the 8,000 Equitable Society representatives from coast to coast. They offer you more than insurance. They offer you peace of mind, freedom from worry, future security for you and your family. To find out how to enjoy these benefits, consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Society representative. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, Interstate Theft. Its title, The Fastball Frame-Up. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Tony Caruso, Whitfield Connor, Patty Chapman, Betty Lou Gerson, Joe Gilbert, Ted Osborne, and Elaine Williams. This is Your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. And inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The fastball frame-up on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. Next week, you can look forward to ghouls and goblins and the like. Until then, have yourselves a good week. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.